Welcome to another Macquarie Life Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this message. At the mention of your name, Jesus, every chain will break. I know everything will change. Jesus, just a whisper of your name. Every wind and waves has a mention of your name. Good morning to our online legends, you beautiful people. I felt like saying tens of thousands all over the world, but you know, it's probably a couple of hundred out there anyway, so that's good. <laughs> it's a bit vulnerable, isn't it, for pastors? You always think of. You, you do, you can go, oh, I imagine 10,000. The Holy Spirit's like, whoa, 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 just, just what I've given you. Let's go with that, you know. Um, grand final. I love Penrith because there's so many Christians in there and they're transforming a suburb called Mount Druitt in Sydney with the gospel, a lot of them, which is amazing. Um, but I'm going for para. It's just been too long for them. I always feel sorry for their halfbacks because everyone always goes, you're not as good as Sturlo. And I loved Sturlow when he was a player. But I thought, I'm, I think I'll be going for para. Do you want to show me a para jersey? Roz was a Parramatta girl from way back. Caused a lot of fights when we first went out. Oh, I came from Manly, she came from para. Um, and happy birthday, Paulins, you beautiful people. Thank you. You've blessed so many of us. And Simon, lovely spirit, mate. I just... Can't compliment you enough the way, the way you share. It's beautiful. Okay, last one in the series, God trusts you more than you think. Today's one's called You Can Activate God's Power. And it's based on, and I'll, I'll read it to you in a minute, the woman who touched the hem of his garment. Because Jesus didn't see her and go, I release healing to you. You know, like she came up with her faith and touched him And he felt the power go out automatically without making a decision. Really, he didn't lay hands on her. She laid hands on him. And so I just just wanted to sort of go there in in today's message, you know, the the humble garment touch. Um, Because sometimes we try and do the Jesus thing in the flesh. Um, Two funny little analogies. Um, Last night in the soccer, I was just saying they had the final of the Australian Cup in soccer, which is... Any team can go in it. It's like the FA Cup. And anyway, Sydney United played a new team, MacArthur Rams, that Dwight York coaches. But Sydney United is a Croatian-based club in Sydney that used to be in the National League and then got dropped out with the big changes. But very passionate supporters. And when I was a chaplain with the Newcastle Breakers, I went down once to to a game at their home ground at Denser Park, and the chairman of the board came on the bus. And I was like, ooh, bit of behaviour stuff. Anyway, he asked me to sit with him at a denser park. And I'm young and, you know, you go to the footy, I'm vocal. I'm like, go on, Newcastle, right? I'm jumping up and down as goals are scored. I don't know that you're not supposed to do that when you're with the chairman of the board and you're a guest of the other team sitting in the royal box with all the dignitaries around you. They're all sort of politely clapping. and I'm like, oh, Newcastle. Anyway... We lost the game 2-1, and the, the, the chairman of the board says to me on the way back, I just better tell you something, because 
the chairman of their board was there, sitting next to me, and for some reason our chairman of board put me in between them both, right? He said, I put you there because I don't like sitting next to him. Because if we lose, he's so friendly. He's got his arm around you, he's loving you, he kisses you on the cheek. But if we win, he said, I've seen him hit guys in the mouth, like take him outside and say, come on, I'll buy you a drink, when no one's looking. Poof. And he said, you were very lucky that we lost that game. I thought, it's that territorial thing on the earth, isn't it? People try to create something that only God can give by being territorial. But I found this letter yesterday. I I didn't even know that I had it. I'd forgotten about it. Where is it? Um, Please come out. There it is. There it is. I find this note. This is my eldest daughter must have written this when she was about 11 or 12. I see this. Hi, Mark. This is God. You are doing a great job as senior pastor. I love you more than you could ever know, and I will never leave you or forsake you. Love always, God. (laughs) Now, but listen to the P.S. P.S. Your daughter, Becky, sure could use a shopping spree in a couple of days off school. (laughs) That's someone in their flesh trying to get what only God can give. I've got no idea because I can't, I'm too old to remember. I can't even remember the note. Knowing me, I probably would have done it, I think. It's quite a clever way to do it. Ros, if you find a, dear Ros, this is God letter next week. (laughs) Okay, all right. The humble garment touch, you can activate God's. Let's just read the story because I just think it's really interesting. Um, It'll be out of... Mark 5, and we'll go 24b to 34. I think 21 will come up, but we'll go to 24b. Um, Yes, here it is. A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there. So this is Jesus has crossed the lake. The storms come up. He wants to make a dramatic impact on this godless land of the Gerasenes. This is where he delivers the demoniac. The pigs go into the lake. He raises a girl from the dead. Then this happens, and then he raises someone else from the dead straight after it. This is like full-on ministry week, breaking into a godless area. So lots is happening. Crowds are gathered round. Uh, A large crowd followed and pressed around him, and a woman was there who had been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She had suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. I like to think of that as like he's out of covering the robe of righteousness in a way and she, and she touches into something of God on him because she thought, I love this, it's so humble, if I just touch his cloak, I will be healed. Immediately her bleeding stopped, so no gap. Immediately her bleeding stopped and she felt in her body that she was freed from her suffering. You know, you've had that feeling. Sometimes you just know God's done something, don't you? Other times you pray by faith. We've got no idea what's going on. But sometimes in life you just know inside. You get that witness. At once Jesus realised the power had gone out from him. He turned around the crowd and asked, who touched my clothes? Like, I've stood sharing with gangs the gospel, right? And there's always one smarty will go, what are you looking at, (laughs) right? They want to punch you in the head. But usually God has someone there that will stick up for you in the gang. 
that sees your sincerity and is a bit of a leader and goes, back off, I want to hear what he's got to say. There's this thing that happens. And I imagine her when Jesus goes, who touched me? Like, he probably didn't say it like that. But I could feel it if I was her, the fear I'd feel, oh, no, I've blown it. He's angry that I've touched him. I shouldn't have done it. Um, who touched me? You see the people crowding around against you, his disciples answered, and yet you can ask, who touched me? But Jesus kept looking around to see who had done it. Then the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet, trembling with fear, told him the whole truth. He said to her, daughter, your faith has healed you. Go in peace and be freed from your suffering. Uh, It reminded me of blind Bartimaeus. So she's determined to get to him in the cast. There's a lot against her, her own self-esteem, the overprotective disciples, crowds she's got to get through to sort of maybe she reached through behind someone. There was, there was a lot of opposition. It also reminded me, remember blind Bartimaeus yelled out to Jesus and the disciples again, shut up, leave Jesus alone. But he presses through. And I, I just wrote this because not that often, but occasionally in your life, you have to overcome opposition from good people. And I was going to finish on this bit. But my family were brought up in the Catholic Church and, you know, sincere God-fearing people didn't know about being born again. But when I got saved, um, you know, I used to share with them, but they found it really hard because it, it wasn't Catholic. But anyway, eventually I got to lead them one by one over six years to God and they nearly, except my brother, who's a pastor in New Zealand, all stayed in the Catholic Church but had a real impact and were definitely saved and born again and did the journey. But the pathway was weird. I had to step out of Catholicism, being persecuted by the church I grew up in. Uh, my parents were deeply hurt, and when they came to our wedding, which wasn't in a Catholic church, it really kind of grieved them. Luckily, they, they came, and I've had relatives since. Oh, you'll never know how hard that was on your mum and dad. And da, da, da. But they eventually became very gracious and, and appreciated what we did. But it was just an unusual pathway that I had to get through the resistance of good people to get the whole family saved. It's just interesting that when you, when you encounter it, and you've got to walk carefully in that with God, but God will lead you through that. So first point, you can activate his power. Beware of feeling sorry for yourself um, because we're human, so we do. You know, wound, wounds can fester and you've got an oversensitive spirit like me. <laughs> I have an oversensitive spirit. So I have to walk carefully in that and, and not be too oversensitive. It's the thing that makes me sensitive to the Holy Spirit but too sensitive to people. It's one of my weaknesses. Um, there's enough reasons for sympathy, but it, it can lead to wrong assumptions and, and wrong conclusions. It's the old faith versus unbelief battle for all of us. So the Bible says, walk by faith, not by sight. So I wrote, don't just bump him, reach out and touch him. God's ways are not our ways. You know, we've preached recently, Elisha, God, God came to you and said, go back the way you came and face some stuff. And with Peter, remember they fished all night and he was like, go back out. I fish, and if I'd fished all night and I was Peter, I wouldn't have gone back out. But he's more godly than what we think, Peter. He's got a big godly component, yet he has his battles. 
But he goes back out and he says this great thing. He goes, we fished all night. It's like, you're kidding, aren't you? But he, he says this one word, nevertheless, at your building, bidding I will go. And he sees this incredible miracle that speaks his language because they caught fish and that would have meant money and he could have helped a, a lot of people. But nevertheless, and I think we have to be nevertheless people. And I, I found this story, it's a bit tough, but you, you might remember this because a lot of you, you know, are older in age than the next service. Do you remember in England, um, in Liverpool, the world was shocked when two 10-year-olds murdered a two-year-old boy named James, James Bogger. But listen, I found this yesterday. During the two-week trial, um, the, boy, the two boys had been pleading their innocence. The young defendants responded to police questioning with noticeable inconsistency. The climax of the trial came when the parents of one of the boys assured him that they would always love him no matter what. Then, confronted with irrefutable evidence linking him with the crime and the assurance of his parents' love, the boy confessed in a soft voice, I was the one that killed James. But I thought, gee, we need to know that as, as Christians because our theology should be of a way that we know God is going to love us regardless and that makes us safe to confess our sin. And therefore, if we're loved like that, we should be good at confessing our sin. Because if we all fall short, that means there's stuff to confess, hey? I, I, that's the shock. You hear me say this so much. I'm 68. I need God more than ever. And there's something to say sorry for every morning. It drives me nuts. <laughs> Must drive him nuts. <laughs> anyway, let's, let's keep moving um, gospel. So second... Point, yeah, yeah. Second thing. Um, I think for all of us in our human side, circumstantial reasoning um, is dangerous. Like it makes us practical and down to earth, but it's often contrary to God's word. And there's so many things in God's word that don't go well with circumstance, circumstances. Um, you know, if God is for me, who can be against me? Let the weak say I am strong. God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. So that's a great reminder of God using all things for good. That's a great scripture for me that I often, when I'm stuck, I fall back on it. I think I, think I can't win this. I've been chasing Roz for six years and she, won't want, she doesn't want to marry me. What's wrong with a God? I thought she was the fruitcake, but I was. Um, nevertheless, my God always causes me to triumph. God, my family's rejecting me, and my church I grew up in is rejecting me. How, it's too big a battle. I don't think I can win that. My God always causes me to triumph in, in Christ Jesus. Beautiful counsel, being honest with us in, in, in a gentle way, saying, look, you just won't be able to build on that land. And the Holy Spirit goes, no, I want you to build on this land. It was like, God, that's, that's too big. I, I don't want to fight the council. They're trying to help us. But my God always causes me to triumph in Christ Jesus. And sometimes you've got to grab onto something like that just to get you through that thing. Because when we can only look at circumstances as our way of reasoning, it's, it's of the earth. Terra is the, is the, I don't know if that's Greek or Latin or whatever the name is. Anyway, the, the word for earth, you know, terra firma. But... It comes from, I wrote this down, Terramata, which was the goddess of the earth, which was a false god, and like the earth determines everything. And that's the territorial thing. So all of us have bits of us 
that are territorial. There's a guy parks at the front of our house um, every day and no one else can park outside the front of our house. He's a plumber. And it sort of subtly, slowly annoys me. And after about six months, I thought, I'm going to say something to that guy. I'm praying that morning. The window I look out of looks over his truck. Not a great view. And I go, what will I do, Holy Spirit? How will I say it to him? He goes, go and make friends with him. So I went and made friends with him. <laughs> we had a great talk. The truck's still parked there. <laughs> but that, that's not the end of the story. <laughs> probably me that has to change. Oh, there's a thought. <laughs> See, that's a little bit of that territorial thing. It, 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 sneaks, it sneaks out. Um, nevertheless, at your bidding, because they go and make friends. So, so watch this. So I've been chasing rods for seven years. We do a missions trip to Sri Lanka at God's bidding, both feeling separately led to go to Sri Lanka, applied through the same church, didn't know. Arrive in Sri Lanka and go, what are you doing here? So there's 12 on the team. They divide us into groups of three. They don't know we even know each other, and they put us in the same group of three to go up into the Mura Elia and, and around there, Dissa, up in the tea country. Um, and the husband kept saying to me, don't try and crack on her oz, don't try and crack on her oz. You've asked her to marry her. She said no 43 times. Don't ask again while you're here. And I'm thinking, I've got to ask her, I've got to ask her too good. <laughs> Anyway, nevertheless, at his bidding, I somehow managed to resist. And she saw that at last, after all that time, I could put God first instead of putting her first and were engaged two weeks later. But guess what the swing was? I got back from Sri Lanka thinking, she doesn't care about me. She doesn't love me. She didn't show one sign of interest. All she wanted to do was minister. The Holy Spirit goes, send her some flowers. <laughs> My God. You are kidding me. No, I want to send her a nasty note saying, get out of my life. Nevertheless, I sent the flowers. I couldn't even put a note in the flowers because I was too angry. So I just sent the flowers. It softened her and she thought, I'm ready to marry this guy. We were engaged two weeks later. Thank God I sent the flowers. And not the note, hey. Otherwise, we wouldn't be standing here today. That those nevertheless moments, you know, that don't make sense to you, gee, they're, they're key moments in your life. Um, yeah, yeah. I, can I just say this? Because I like paying out on ourselves. Because we all love each other so much, we can do it and we know we're still loved. Because you don't go, oh, that's it, I'm out of here, mate. You were going to send a nasty note to your wife, I'm gone. You go... Oh, you're like me. <laughs> um, there was a US president, you know, many moons ago called Harry Truman. He was thrust into the presidency by the death of Franklin Roosevelt. Um, his best friend, Sam Rayburn, took him aside when he was elected president. And he says to him, what is, you need one friend like this, not too many, but at least one. From here on in, you're going to have lots of people around you. They'll try to put up a wall around you and cut you off from any ideas but theirs. They'll tell you what a great bloke you are to get their own way, Harry. But you and I both know you ain't. <laughs> Just, <laughs> that's good. That's good. Um, well, speaking of soccer before, I'm going good for time. When I was first a chaplain with the Newcastle Breakers, they were then, not the Jets. 
I got invited to the season launch one year and NBN was there and all these famous people were there and I was terrified because I didn't know how to talk to them all. I was like, I was used to church people. I could talk about God to anyone, but I was really out of, out of my depth. And Craig Wellings was their sign writer, who was one of our elders at the time and, and a really good friend. So he came with me because he was invited as well. So we walk in together and I just see all the famous people, the cameras are rolling. So I just head straight for a window like this. He follows me and I'm looking out the window because I've got no idea what to do. He taps me on the shop. He goes, what are we doing here? I go, I'm terrified. I don't know what to do. And he goes, I'm really good with community and I, and I know a lot of these people. So just, just come with me. I'll open the conversations and you can just join in. And it made such a difference. But I thought, isn't it funny our weaknesses and we need someone different to ourselves at times to walk with alongside us because they can, they can bring what we, what we don't have. Um, okay, I want to finish with, with this point. It goes for a little bit. Uh, it's, it's your testimony. So we heard a bit of testimony from Simon this morning. Your testimony. I think as I get older, one of the great purposes of your testimony that God's giving you as you go through life is that you are actually a history maker for your family. My family's, all their history's changed because the gospel was able, able to get in there. And, and you're a representative of the gospel. I'm not putting pressure on you to reach them all. I'm just saying, just let God take you through your own testimony. There'll be a natural way in which who you are becomes more and more powerful for others. And often it's not until our life is making a difference to others that our testimony starts to become complete. Um, and I found this story, I, I hesitate to use it just because it makes someone look a little bit bad, but I'll, I'll, I'll use it and, and we'll show respect. Um, there was a footy player named, named Matt Rogers that a lot of you would have known. His father was Steve Rogers, who'd captain Australian rugby league and is considered one of the best ever rugby league players. Um, quite a good guy in his own right. Um, and Matt was his son, and Matt's played rugby union for Australia and rugby league for Australia, which is a great achievement in itself. And they were interviewing him in this article in The Australian. Um, and he has, he's got a book that's just come out, A Father's Son, Family Football and Forgiveness. And the Q&A person says, while researching the book, you discovered your father was having an affair while your mother was dying of cancer at the age of 45. That must have been tough. The affair began when she was terminally ill, he says. I was furious with Dad, but I was equally as furious with the other woman. How do you allow a person to grieve the death of his wife if you are in his pocket? I don't think he ever got over my mum because he never had time to grieve and went downhill quickly after that and committed suicide. I think sometimes guys, out of weakness can have a sin and they can't reconcile it in themselves and it can really damage them on, on the inside. God has an answer for that. There is a way guys through it in God, but you, you, you'll see that kind of thing happen, especially in men when they can't reconcile their behaviour with, with who they want to be. Um, hmm. Anyway, he, he, he finishes with this because he has a son who has autism. Um, and he talks about all his accomplishments didn't quite fulfil him like he thought they would. And he, and he said, my son have a, having autism, it gave me a purpose. 
After I retired, I didn't watch a game of footy for 18 months and I didn't miss it at all. Previous to me, it was all about what could I do, what could I get, what could I accumulate. That was sort of my mantra. But having Max and the charity that we formed changed my mindset to how can I help. That was the biggest and most meaningful shift of my life. Wow. You can, you can feel the process, can't you, that takes him to a place and he's making a difference. And he did get saved uh, through Hillsong Church along the way, which, which I think is really good. Um, see, that's, that's history-making, isn't it? It doesn't have to be a big history-making. It can just be little history-making. And just a side thought, and I'm a little bit out of touch with today's culture as I get older and how they think, but I, I just want to say I've got a nephew who's Down syndrome and brought a lot of fantastic change to our life and he was my sister's son and amazingly beautiful stuff for her and yet um, people would have would have bought a baby now if they find out there's down syndrome or or, or something like that so god has a purpose for that i'm not i'm not hassling anyone i'm just saying i want to speak on their behalf (laughs) God has a purpose and uses them amazingly in people's lives, and it changed it changed his life. Okay, we'll finish. Um, 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 when bigger opposition shows up, it's often a sign that God is taking you to a higher level. Or sometimes it's just the same opposition, but He digs deeper. You're going to where no one else in your family has gone before. And that's a beautiful thing. It doesn't mean you have to be pushy and manipulative and territorial. Just godly. Just godly. It's funny, as I get older, I I, I just say this in in finishing. There's someone I get more and more grateful to. a guy named Angelo Zare who was a poor farmer in Italy. And it was him and his eight kids that came to Australia on a boat and were basically shipwrecked on an island off New Guinea called, I don't know if it's New Britain or New Island, I I get them mixed up and they got rescued this is in the 1800s and were taken to to William Farrow who was a farmer and and he shafted them out around the country and so they worked on farms and they got through and in Wellington in New South Wales his grave's there and I I've been there, it was so funny we got lost, Ellie and I went out to look at the grave and you know do a bit of family history and we got lost in Wellington looking for the cemetery. Blow me down. We look up. We drive down Zares Lane. It's a street named after us. Woo! Roz's dad's only got a bridge named after him. I found a whole street. <laughs> There's Henry's. Where's Henry's Bridge? Out west somewhere. Okay. Um, but you know, I'm grateful that man. What what he went through. He just did a journey. That was all he did. Like, I don't know what else he did, but he did a journey that was really risky. They lost one child on the journey, and they had one child born after they arrived here, and that was my uh, granddad, um, who I never knew. Um, But I thought, I'm so grateful for that. One journey changed the history of our family, maybe even more than my aunt, you know, bringing the gospel in. It just, it changed. We've all got great lives. And a good crack at life, hey? How lucky are we? And God might just have those little things that you do or he quickens to you. And you're thinking, 
and he needs nevertheless at your building, I'm going to do that. It just could be a simple thing or it could be a big thing. If it's a big thing, he'll help you get there and pull it off. So, Father, we just thank you. You're greater than what we think. You trust us way more than what we realise. And we thank you that we can activate your power. Thank you for listening. We hope you have enjoyed this message. For more information, please visit macroylifechurch.com.au.